welcome to another powerful message from One Life OK. We really hope you enjoy it. Holy Spirit, thank you. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your presence. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Our hearts are open. Wide open, our hearts are. Holy Spirit, you have permission in our hearts to shape and mold. We just say yes to you, Holy Spirit. It's just good to say yes before you know what you're saying yes to. <clears throat> I love what we were um, what we were singing about in worship, and I was thinking about the obedience part, and this really doesn't have anything to do with what I'm going to talk about. But um, I know that I've talked to different people that obedience, they struggle with that word because they kind of can look at their lives at all the ways that they don't do good. And so I just wanted to say, you know, if you get triggered by that word, you know, I think what's always a really good place for you to, to go to dad and you can pray and just say, you know, in any place, if I struggle in my obedience, Give me a willing heart. And he will begin to shift and help change your heart. So I don't know who that was for, but there you go. So I heard I heard something for today, and it got me a little bit excited. And so that's exciting. Anyway, um, but he told me that we are moving into a season of experiencing greater glory but the greater glory was going to come rapidly. And so I was talking to him just about what that looks like, what, what it looks like for he himself, of course, to come in his glory. But he was more, he was more talking to me about personally uh, allowing for us to go from glory to glory. And I don't know if it's probably been, I don't know, it's been a while, you know, the classic, extrovert two weeks it's probably been about two weeks two weeks i've been on that for two weeks in case y'all don't know extroverts it's always that way how long's it been oh it's about two weeks so it's just a thing i don't know why it's a thing but it is a thing but um he's been talking to me about um an unveiled face and having an unveiled face before him and so, of course, I've been doing a lot of thinking on that and thinking about the ways maybe even that we try to veil our face and, you know, the ways that, um, you know, we may personally um, want to hide behind things sometimes. And and I, I love his great fathering over us because that kind of stuff doesn't faze him. You know what I mean? It's not really a thing. It's not really a thing because he knows how to always reach us. And so, you know, I, I, I don't like to give the enemy any room to even have any kind of say in anything because then it stops people from being able to receive the word. And so I just want to say today that, that within our hearts that we get to say, God, I will have nothing between you and I. And then, and then if you're struggling in an area where you feel like there's something there, 
then I think you could just simply say, help me in my fear to be able to not want to veil my face from you. And, and that's a prayer that he can answer for you. So, <clears throat> you know, he's, he's not messed up by our humanity. He loves our humanity. Say that. He loves my humanity. He does. He loves it. He's not mad about it. He enjoys it. I think whenever we stand before him, I think we're going to really be shocked at how, how much he laughed at us. You know, whenever we're all serious and we're all in the, got our head in the pillow crying and he's like, listen, seriously, get over yourself. This is funny. We can start laughing now about it, but, but, um, in this, in this, uh, new thing that he's going to be doing with us, taking us from glory to glory. Um, you know, one thing that he was just talking to me about is, how we are so completely suited to experience the full glory of who he is and how how we fit perfectly with him how there's there's not we're not um we're not made to experience him as just this 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 really big God, and then we're kind of this tiny little peon, but but we were actually made to join with him in perfect unison and perfect harmony and experience his glory. And so part of experiencing his glory is that we, we get to become more and more like him. So not only do we get to experience him, but being in his presence, experience him changes us, right? We know that. That's a good thing. We want that. We want we want to spend more time with him and allow him to come and reshape our hearts for him to come and, and have his way in every place. And so I feel like that there's going to be an increase in some things that he's going to be be talking to us about personally, ways that we can allow him to have more entrance into our hearts. And so there's a couple of areas that he wanted me to talk about that wanted to be wanted me to be specific on. And, um, you know, there's different ways in which God uses life circumstances to, you know, uh, make us go higher and higher for us to go from glory to glory. And he wanted me to talk about two things in general. But um, at first, he wanted me to discuss the his fathering ways over our life. You know, I think sometimes in our maturing, sometimes we can begin to think that it's all on us to make sure that we get somewhere. Or or maybe he's told us to do something and we've struggled to do it or whatever. And so then we kind of are stopped. And so then he's he's just kind of waiting for us to, you know, make a decision. And I think that his heart really is... And I, and I feel like this is his heart because I know he does this with me and I know just even with kids, you know, this is how it works. But he's really good at knowing how to reach us. And he's really, really, really good at knowing how to help shape our heart so that we're easily moldable and bendable to him. And so... <clears throat> You know, in, in our journey with him and, and in really resting in his fathering care over us, there's just a positioning that we can have that we can rest in knowing that we are where God wants us and he's taking us to from glory to glory. 
That doesn't mean that we don't have to ever do anything he says. Y'all know my heart, right? Y'all know what I'm not saying. I'm, I don't probably need to say that, but I may for people that are watching this on YouTube. But that doesn't mean that we just do anything that we want and he'll handle it. You know, that's that's not what that's not what I'm saying. But, you know, God is he's his fathering care over us and over our future is greater than what we can even understand. And the investment that he's paid for each one of us is greater and higher than anything that we can comprehend. And so you can just always think of that. You can just always think about how Jesus, the great sacrifice that Jesus made for you. And, you know, that's the investment that God has in your life. And so he's fully able and fully prepared and, and fully um, in charge of your life. And so you don't have to be so concerned that you're going to mess everything up. I'm sure that's nobody here, though. Nobody's probably concerned that their mess-ups are going to mess up everything and they're going to end up in a ditch or anything like that. Um, if you want to turn to Hebrews 12, um, it's, I'm going to be in the Passion. Hebrews 12, I'm going to start with 2. It says, we look away from the natural realm and we focus our attention and expectation onto Jesus who birthed faith within us and who leads us forward into faith's perfection. Say, I'm not looking at me. My attention and my expectation is not on myself. It's on Jesus. Very good. His example is this, because his heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his. Say, I'm his gift. I'm his joy. I'm his prize. I'm his gift. I love um, in the footnotes there, it says, uh, where it says would be his, it says, or instead of the joy set before him, this was the joy of our salvation. He placed before his eyes the bliss we would forever change together with him, which empowered him to go through his agony. Instead of remaining in heaven's glory with the Father and all the angels, he chose you as the joy set before him. He desires you to the point of laying down his life and being God for all eternity to be with you. He pursued you, not seeing your weakness and failures, but what you will be. He can see what we will be in the end from the beginning. This was the joy that prompted him to become a man. Say, whenever he looks at me, he sees me as I am, not according to weakness or failure. Whenever we have, whenever we take um, communion, and maybe I'll do it at home. You should do it at home if you don't. But, um, you know, I like to really get really personal with it. You know, like, I, I, I've had a lot of encounters with Jesus before he was going to the cross and, and what he was thinking about for me personally. You know, I think that sometimes if we, if we consider maybe it's just kind of a group of people, it loses the significance of you personally, of, of that nomad, that he would have, he would have experienced all that he experienced if it was just for you only. And I think it has to be really personal 
like that. It, it has to be to really understand the gravity of the love of Jesus. You have to allow it to get really personal to you. Because, see, he didn't just do it for a mass number of people. He did it for strictly just for you. And he had you on, my, on his mind. I personally believe that all of his kids passed before his eyes. So I don't know about you, but that makes me feel incredibly loved. Moving onward. It says, um, let me go back because I'm going to finish from the footnote. But it says, because his heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his, he endured the agony of the cross and conquered its humiliation and now sits exalted at the right hand of the throne of God. Interceding for us, by the way. So consider carefully how Jesus faced such intense opposition from sinners who opposed their own souls so that you won't become worn down and cave in under life's pressure, pressures. Are you trying to cave down in life's pressures? It shouldn't be because, see, he, he did it for you right there. After all, you have not yet reached the point of sweating blood in your opposition to sin. And you have... And have you forgotten his encouraging words spoken to you as his children? He said, my child, don't underestimate the value of the discipline and training of the Lord God or get depressed when he has to correct you. Say, correction's not bad. Footnote says, or when he puts you under scrutiny. The Aramaic can be translated. Don't let your soul tremble with dread when your loyalty strays from him. Mm-hmm. That's good right there. For the Lord's training of your life is the evidence of his faithful love. How many of us run, you don't have to answer this, but how many of us run from wanting to make a mistake and be really fathered and disciplined by God? You know, I think sometimes we may not want to do anything wrong, so then we don't mess up, but then we actually miss the value of being fathered by him. That's the proof. His discipline is the proof that he's our father. And so then if we don't ever want to do anything to kind of bypass that, then we don't get the joy of knowing what it's like to be fathered. And we have a very fatherless generation, and they are crying out for fathers. We need a father. We, we need the fathering love. We need his discipline in our lives. Say it. Say, I need your discipline, Daddy God. I open my heart. Give it to me. Uh-huh. Give it to me. It says, um, fully embrace God's correction as part of your training, for he is doing what any loving father does for his children. For who has ever heard of a child who never had to be corrected, right? We all should welcome God's discipline as the validation of authentic sonship. For if we have never once endured his correction, it only proves we are strangers and not sons. How many of us had a good father that disciplined well? got two say what isn't that nice to have a son of the house disciplines well 
I think that he he really wants we have to really shed way that we have viewed fathers. Would everybody agree with that? We have to really divorce ourselves from thinking that it's anything like his fathering, right? Because we're not comparing the two. We're not comparing like maybe even abuse. We're not comparing that kind of fathering to this kind of fathering because this kind of fathering will always be met with mercy. So even if there's discipline, even if you do something wrong, even if something has to be addressed, it will always be coupled with his divine mercy and with his divine grace to come in and help you. So we don't want to run from it. We want to run to it. We don't ever want to run from him being able to instruct us. We want to run to it. So all this to say, in this part of growing from glory to glory, we have to become really comfortable with allowing God to discipline us. We have to be really comfortable with presenting ourselves to him and to two people, and to two two people, and two people to help in the discipline process. Because we have to remember, right, that we're not doing this as an independent person. We've come into a family. We've joined up with a unit. And so discipline may not come just from his words, but it may be from the words of other people. So we want to have our hearts open to all forms of correction because correction is from him. So if you struggle with that, you may want to check why, because it's his, it's his purpose over your life. But the deeper we go into the father's heart, we must get comfortable with his role as father, and we need his discipline in, our fa- in his fathering. And we have to remember that to really be fathered is to be loved. Say, I'm loved because I'm fathered. He supplies the grace we need to make the changes his discipline requires. He's not a taskmaster master that can't be pleased. So he'll supply whatever you need. Isn't that he is so good? He sets us up so good. He's like, listen, you need to fix this thing. And I know you can't fix it on your own, so I'm going to give you what you need. And then all I need is for you to say, okay, and partner with me. Like, what kind of plan is that? That's amazing. Come on now. He does it for all of us. That's easy. He makes it easy. He makes it easy. God's grace, we can't forget what God's grace does for us. God's grace is the thing that enables us to be able to do the things that God asks for us, asks of us. So we can't ever say we can't do it because we have God's grace. So we can ne- we don't have an excuse. Say I'm without an excuse because I have God's grace. Now this next part I want to talk about, it's not as probably easy. It's um you know, it is more for maturing. You know, you have to really, really be willing to mature. But this is in times and seasons of trials and testing. In trials and testing, there are things in our lives that we experience that we can't get any other way. And a lot of times we want to get out of the trials or the testing. And God is trying to do something in us. He's trying to do something in our hearts. And so 
there's there's this thing that happens when our soul is really being pressed and we're having to really press into the goodness of God. And so we don't want to despise whenever we're having trials and testing. We don't want to despise it. I know it doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good to be struggling, to be going through a test, to be, you know, maybe things aren't aren't good at home or whatever. That's not good. But there's something that God is wanting to do in us and through us that it can't come another way. And so how we position our hearts to really get the most out of situations when we're being tried it is, it's a great opportunity to take us to a higher level of glory. But see, there's a danger of getting angry or getting disillusioned or getting bitter or getting resentful when you're in a situation that you don't understand and you're having a hard time being able to see. And so if we don't get really connected to his heart and know why, what is it I'm experiencing and how should I be growing during this, during this challenging time I'm in? See, because he's not, God isn't about us just feeling good. Does he want us to feel good? Absolutely. Of course he does, because we've already established that he's a good father. And so a good father wants the best for us. But a good father knows what's best for us. A good father knows what we need. A good father looks into our future and says, okay, son, daughter, I have something that I have for you in the future, but if you don't learn this back here, it's going to crush you up here. You're going to be ill-equipped up here. And so there is, you're going to be experiencing some things that are going to really test you. You're, you're going to experience some things that may make you really have to press into who I am for you. And we, and we have to know that, has anybody been through any of this? Or am I just talking? Okay. So if, if you don't process this information in a way that is healthy, hear my words, it will trip you up. And then what God meant to actually bless you and what he meant as um, a means to kick in the devil in his teeth becomes something that ensnares you and traps you and puts shackles around your ankles. So the way that you respond to life's trials and life tests will depend what level of glory you're going to go to. You either, you either get to press in and know who you are, what's your position, who God is, what's his position, or you stay down here and you get stuck. And then what's, what's crazy is that you're still going to have to, you're still going to have to cross this, this threshold. You're still going to have to learn this. And so then you just go around the mountain again, and you could just step on over. And first Peter four, it's, um, it says, beloved friends, <clears throat> if life gets extremely difficult with many tests, don't be bewildered as though something strange was overwhelming you. 
Um, the footnote says the Aramic adds a clause here because these things are your communion in the inheritance. That's our, that is, that our communion in the inheritance test and trials. We get, that's part of our inheritance. So it's not about all just butterflies and rainbows. You know, we can't say that Jesus, that he hung on the cross, that he suffered this horrible death, that he was spit on, that he was mocked, that he was beaten. He experienced horrible things. And then the American church thinks, oh, well, I got saved. And so then everything, I have a free ticket. Everything is good now. But see, I think that's one level, but I think it happens on a really subtle level that we think that certain things shouldn't happen because we're Christians. Or I've tithed and I've been faithful and I've done all this and I've done all this. And so then why am I here? And so, you know, we're not, we're not promised that there won't be any suffering. We're actually promised that there will be. That, that is the promise. And so then what do we do in the process? If we're going to go from glory to glory, because that's a promise, there's going to be an increase in going from glory to glory. So we're going to experience things that are going to give us a jump on glory. And so that, that means... silence so i don't know why i don't know why he did that anyway um but he saw it on the web or he had it on the web or whatever he said he threw me off i remember what i was saying um let's move on <clears throat> glory to glory yes oh that was it so you're gonna get a good old trampoline but you know how do y'all know how double bounce works on trampoline you know that you know that moment you get on there and somebody else jumps and then you just boof there's trials and tests right there for you. You get a double bounce. Before, before we leave, you're going to be asking for some trials and tests. Um, okay, I was on uh, First Peter about your communion in the inheritance. Instead, continue to rejoice for you in a measure have shared in the sufferings of the anointed one so that you can share in the revelation of his glory and celebrate with even greater. See, that's good because, you know, whenever you're really going through it, whenever you're going through it, you can say, okay, now, and, and this is really, it's a really kind of even poor comparison because I'm just saying, look what Jesus went through. You know, then we can at least say, okay, this pain that I'm going through, it is, it's nothing like it, but at least it is pain, though. And pain isn't bad. I can do pain. Say, I can do pain. I can do that. Um, <clears throat> yes, 
Yeah, so it says, um, I love this. The footnote says, let me reread it so that you can get it in the footnote. It says, instead, continue to rejoice for you and a measure have shared in the sufferings of the anointed one so that you can share in the revelation of his glory and celebrate with even greater gladness. It says the Greek verb tenses can imply either present or future. There is a glory unveiled in us as we focus on Christ in our difficulties. This brings immediate joy and rejoicing when we pass through suffering. Yet the greatest joy will be as we are free from mortal pain and see the revelation of his glory throughout eternity. So listen, there's there's a really good thing. So if you're in the middle of it, you're in the middle of the thing, okay? That is the time right there that you rejoice. Is that what you feel like doing? Is that like what your soul, man, your soul feels it, doesn't it? It's like, y'all know what I'm talking about? Y'all know whenever you may just be in pity land and it's just you sitting over there, sitting over there talking to yourself about how everything's so horrible. You get to turn that joy on, baby. You get to turn the joy on and you get to start thanking him for where you are. Start thanking him for what he's doing. The enemy can't touch us there. The enemy cannot touch us there. He can't do any, whenever, whenever he throws junk at us and we are sitting there praising and worshiping, he hates that. He hates it. That makes me want to do it. That makes me just want to just get crazy because I don't like him. I hate him. And so I don't want him to have any kind of enjoyment at all, especially at the expense of my life. And your life. It says, if you're insulted because of the name of Christ, you are greatly blessed. Say, I would be greatly blessed. Because the spirit of glory and power. It says, some Greek manuscripts have and of power. The Aramaic can be, tra- can be translated the Shekinah glory. Shekinah glory of the spirit. Who is the spirit of God rests upon you. Let none of you merit suffering as a murderer or thief or criminal. We're not trying to go there, though. Or as one who meddles in the affairs of others. If you suffer for being a Christian, don't consider it as a disgrace but a privilege. Glorify God because you carry the anointed one's name. You know, you never would have thought in the good old U.S. of A. that Christian would be a bad name. But it is. It has gotten a bad name. Isn't that shocking? It's shocking. We're turning that, though. We're going to turn that because they're going to see some Shekinah glory and not just going to see some words. So just remember, if you're watching the news and people are saying some negative things about Christians, just remember, it's okay. It's okay because there's going to be a blessing and God is doing something. And so it's okay if they're bashing us. We're not going to be mad at them. We're not going to even think anything about it. We're going to be like, thank you, God, for the blessing. Thank you. You can talk bad about us all you want, but we're going to be blessed. And James 1, it says, my fellow believers, when it seems as though you are facing nothing but difficulties, see it as an invaluable opportunity to experience the greatest joy that you can. For you know that when your faith is tested, 
It stirs up in you the power of endurance. And then as your endurance grows even stronger, it will release perfection into every part of your being. How many parts? Every part of your being until there is nothing missing and nothing lacking. That comes from difficulties. That comes from difficulties, some endurance. Now listen though. Okay, I got to do a little caveat here because we can't we can't say we can't say that it may all be just like if you're kind of being stupid. You know what I mean? Like we don't want to just like be out doing some stupid stuff and then say, "Oh, we're just enduring for Jesus." Well, no, you're just being stupid, right? Y'all know what I'm talking about. You know what I mean, right? I don't have to say that, do I? Okay, perfect. You know, we're st- now this is under the con- this is under the context, you know, that just sometimes life happens. You know what I mean? It's it's not us out there doing stuff we shouldn't be doing and then wondering why things are going the way they are. And then saying it's his fault because it's not. Every season in life is meant to bring us into a deeper awareness of who God is in our lives, whether it be blessing or trials and testing. How do y'all do with the thought of of going through trials and testing? Does that make you get a little bit anxious? Does it make your stomach kind of get a little bit queasy? Maybe a little bit of fear come in? No, we're not going to though, because remember we have the key because we're going to rejoice because we're going to get a we're going to get some rewards for it. So we're not afraid, right? We're not afraid. Say, I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. I'm strong. I'm strong. Sometimes we go into experiences thinking we need to curse something or someone, and if we would be willing to look a little harder, press in a little more, we may see a divine hand. He's a good father, right? He's a really good, good father, right? He has really good things for us. He loves us. He loves to be good to us, right? He loves to be good to us. I love in Psalm 23, I can't remember if Teresa was the other day or not. I I might have dreamt about it. I can't remember. Anyway, um, there's a part, um, this is probably my favorite psalm. And I know that it's like one of the really popular, but I don't know what it is about it, but it just, it's my favorite one. But it says, Yahweh is my best friend and my shepherd. I always have more than enough. He offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love. His tracks take me to an oasis of peace near the quiet bricks of bliss. That's where he restores and revives my life. He opens before me the right path and leads me along its footsteps of righteousness so I can bring honor to his name. And the part that I wanted, the the footnote on that is really good. And I can't remember if Teresa, do y'all remember if Teresa read this or was I dreaming it? I might have dreamt it. Okay. It says, so remember it, we're on, he opens it before me, the right path and leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness. Okay. That footnote says, or circular paths of righteousness. It is a common trait for sheep on the hillsides of Israel to circle their way up higher. They eventually form a path 
that keeps leading them higher. This is what the psalm is referring to here. Each step we take following our shepherd will lead us higher, even though it may seem like we are going in circles. So have y'all ever felt that way? Have y'all ever felt like, man, this scenery looks really familiar. I have been here before. You're just going another round on up. You're just going another round up. So you don't have to be hating on yourself. Don't be hating on yourself. You're going higher. Say, I'm going higher. I'm going from glory to glory. I'm not stuck. We must remember, no matter the situation, we have what is necessary to overcome. Remember, because a good, good father wouldn't allow us to go through something that we didn't have the tools to overcome. So you're, you're fully equipped, fully equipped. We are designed to live in the glory and for it to be an ever-increasing glory, from glory to glory. But if we encounter a situation that was meant to mature us and we didn't understand, we can use it as ammunition against ourselves, against others, worst yet, against God. So remember, we have to really protect our hearts whenever we go through things. We have to really protect to know to know what what is it. I love that. I love what Graham says. Who do you want to be? Who do you want to? Who do you want to be to me now that I am fill in the blank? Because it's true. God really is. There is something in moments that we can't get any other way. And trial and testing is really a place that we can gain a lot of breakthrough in our hearts. But we just have to maintain a place, a tenderness before him, that we don't hold him in contempt, that we don't judge what's going on in our lives, that we can lean on him no matter what we're going through. Hear me, because it because that is the tactic of the enemy. The tactic of the enemy is for God is wanting to give you something, and then the enemy enemy makes you question his goodness. And we have to have that really settled in our heart who he is because he's wanting to bring us to glory to glory, right? So the next thing he wanted me to talk about was blessing. That just feels good, doesn't it? Don't we just like to hear blessing? That kind of makes you go, oh, yeah, that sounds more fun. That sounds more like it. Now we're talking. That sounds good. That other thing, that doesn't sound quite as good. But blessing, that feels nice. That feels real good. You know, there, there's, blessing is, is really great. Our souls love the way a blessing feels. Y'all know, y'all know the seasons when it was just like everything, it's just like everything is easy street. And it's just like, man, like everything is just happening. Everything's just feeling it. And you're in a great place all the time. And it's just like, man, this is the best thing ever. And, you know, there's, there's a thing that can happen though in it, that you become familiar with your surroundings. And then that familiarity can cause us to have some things in our heart that get a little bit twisted up. I look at the good old US of A and I see that operating in our nation in a really crazy way. 
So, you know, we obviously live in a land of freedom. We have abundance. You know, we, of course, I know not everybody does, but you know what I'm talking about. We have, we have abundance. We are blessed beyond measure. We have this freedom. And yet somehow we have managed to become entitled in this nation. And then all of a sudden, we've even taken it a step further, which is really crazy. But somehow we've taken our freedom and all the goodness of it. And then we've talked about maybe that we would be better off as a nation that's a socialist nation. And if you don't know anything about socialism, it basically means that the government takes everything and they redistribute it. So so we have like a lot of, it's kind of within this uh, millennial, sorry millennials, and that, gener- is it Generation Z? Is that it? Yeah, Z. That's really prevalent there. And it's because they've all been, they've all had a lot of abundance. And so then they almost judge the abundance. Like, who are you? You should be giving your stuff away. You have too much. You need to be giving that stuff away. Well, it's funny because that comes from hearts that are entitled. And it's a really long jump from, you know, what what our what our great grandparents experienced or whatever, where, you know, they had um you know, known what it was like to struggle. They had known what it was like to have lack. And so then they had this great appreciation. That's why patriotism was so huge. You know, people were so grateful to live here that they had this freedom and they had, you know, all of this goodness. And yet somehow it's gotten twisted and it's because we become familiar and we've become entitled. And that's the danger of seasons of blessing. Seasons of blessing, if if we don't, really keep our heart before before dad in a place of being extremely grateful, then we can become kind of uh, desensitized to his goodness. And that's, and that's equally as dangerous as <clears throat> blaming him. See, because whenever... And what and and I just talk about the good old U.S. of A. because it's so big that it's it's on a national stage you can just see it. But I think what what is challenging is that sometimes whenever we come to a place where we don't have any more appreciation, we experience the lack of that, so that we can have appreciation again. It's kind of like our kids. That happens with our kids, right? For all the parents, you know, you've been giving your kids this thing and they've had it and they've had it in a plethora and all of a sudden they start expecting it like you owe them something. Well, what do we do? Let's just take that away for a little bit and then let's see, let's let's let you get readjusted. And so then you can present your heart again. See, that's the danger of blessing. And so we everybody wants to be really blessed, Right. But we have to keep our hearts in a really good place. So see, whenever he was talking to me about a greater level of going from glory to glory, these were two pitfalls that he told me to talk about. And we have to, we have to make sure in our hearts that no matter the time and season, that we know what God is doing and we're positioned in a really healthy place with him. And so, <clears throat> you know, in, in other times of blessing, sometimes we can start really taking people for granted. And then we're no longer appreciative for them. Then we begin to look at them as if they owe me something. 
that they're not giving me? And see, then it's like this, this beautiful blessing that God gave you, it gets turned on us, and then it can become a shackle. We become bitter or resentful or whatever you put the label on it. So, so whenever you're blessed, whenever you've got those, those, those great seasons of blessings, it's good to say, Teresa's talked about it, it's good to say, why am I getting this and how can I benefit other people? Does God want to be good to us just because he's good? Of course he does. But the greatest, the greatest way to keep it going, the greatest way to um, keep our hearts in a good place is how can I begin to look to give some of this away? So then I'm not just thinking about everything I can get for myself, but then I'm thinking, how can I give away what I'm being given? <clears throat> wonder if we could be just as happy and a blessing as trial and tribulations. Yep. It was so funny because I was, I was preparing for this message and I had so much stuff going on. I mean, it was crazy. And I was just like, man, what is the deal? Like there is, what is the deal? And then it dawned on me. Oh, oh, I, I'm, I'm getting to practice this. That's what I'm currently getting to do. And so then you had to, you know, turn that little frown upside down and get, get back in a happy place. It really is to better us, though. He's wanting to take us higher. Wow, it's 8.20. Okay. Um, many people go through life looking for if things were easy or hard. Am I happy or sad? But the truth is God is on a journey with us, going from place to place, glory to glory. It's what we do in different circumstances can depend on the length of time we stay in different seasons. You know, we can't make it any shorter, but we sure can extend that puppy. We can make that thing last and last and last. We can tack on a couple of years to that thing. Mm-hmm. We can. Mm-hmm. 2 Corinthians 3.5, it says, We don't see ourselves as capable enough to do anything in our own strength, for our true competence flows from God's empowering presence. It's only His presence. Say, I can't do it by myself. 2 Corinthians, I'm almost done. 2 Corinthians 3.7-18, it says, <clears throat> Even the ministry that was characterized by chiseled letters on stone tablets came with a dazzling measure of glory, though it produced death. The Israelites couldn't bear to gaze on the glowing face of Moses because of the radiant splendor shining from his countenance, a glory destined to fade away. Yet how much more radiant in this new and glorious ministry of the Spirit that shines from us. For if the former ministry of condemnation was ushered in with a measure of glory, how much more does the ministry that imparts righteousness far excel in glory? What once was glorious 
no longer holds any glory because of the increasingly greater glory that has been, that has been that has replaced it. The fading ministry came with a portion of glory, but now we embrace the unfading ministry of a permanent impartation of glory. So then with this amazing hope living in us, say living in us, we step out in freedom and boldness to speak the truth. We are not like Moses who used a veil to hide the glory to keep the Israelites from start, from staring at him as it faded away. Their minds were closed and hardened, for even to this day that same veil comes over their minds when they hear the words of the former covenant. The veil has not yet been lifted from them, for it is only elimin eliminated when one is joined to the Messiah. So until now, whenever the Old Testament is being read, this isn't really what I'm going to talk about, but i got to read it because it's there. The Old Testament is being read. The same blinding comes over their hearts. But the moment one turns to the Lord with an open heart, the veil is lifted and they see. Now the Lord I'm referring to is the Holy Spirit. And wherever he is Lord, there is freedom. Wherever he is Lord, there is freedom. Isn't that so backwards that you would give somebody else control of your life and you get free? Just crazy. We can all draw close to him with the belt with the veil removed from our face, and with no veil, we all become like mirrors who brightly reflect the glory of the Lord Jesus. We are being transfigured. It says the Greek word metamorpho. I think that's it. It's okay though. If it's not, it's okay. It's just between us, just between friends. Is the same word used for Jesus's used for Jesus being transfigured on the mountain, and for our transfiguration through the renewing of the thoughts of our minds. So it says we are being transfigured by the renewing of our minds into the into His very image as we move from one brighter level of glory to another. The source of our transformation comes from Christ's glory. And the destination we are brought to is more glory. The transforming glory is a, is a result of gazing upon the beauty and splendor of Jesus Christ. It's a work from the inside out. It's not a work from the outside in. We can't get some outward things to change something in here. It's going to come from right here. It's going to come from gazing on him not gazing on our problems, not gazing on the dummy wrong songs, not gazing on all of our fears, all of our failures. It's gazing on the face of Jesus. And as we, as we gaze on him, as we allow him to reshape and retrain the way we think and we see, then we go from glory to glory. We need to go to glory to glory. We have a nation we have a world that's dying to see people that are going from glory to glory. I'm going to close with Romans 12, 2. It says, we look away from the natural realm and we focus our attention and expectation onto Jesus, not on ourselves, right? Onto Jesus who birthed faith within us and who leads us forward into faith's perfection. His example is this. Because his heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his. Say, I'm his. I'm his. 
or instead of the joy set before him, this was the joy of our salvation. He placed before his face the bliss we would forever share together with him, which empowered him to go through his agony instead of remaining in heaven's glory with the father and all the angels. He chose you as the joy set before him. He desires you to the point of laying down his life and being God for all eternity to be with you. He pursued, he pursued you not seeing your weakness and your failures, but what you will be. Remember it's what you will be. He can see what we will be in the end from the beginning. This was the joy that prompted him to become a man, to endure the agony of the cross. So remember, your life is not your own. You don't get to choose what happens. You can only choose to use all the situations to really be made into his image more and more like him. That's our promise. Our promise is that we just get to behold him. We just get to encounter life, do life with him, do life with the Holy Spirit. Don't do it by yourself. Do it with the warrior team, and he'll make you more and more like him. Tessa, you can come. Oh, so good. Thank you, Sarah Lynn. Oh, wow, that was awesome. All right. Well, I loved how she started out with um, that we're going from glory to glory, but it's going to be rapid. And she's describing what she, the process that she's describing is why it's going to be rapid is because we're going to learn how to yield and we're going to learn how to be in it with him in every part. So in, in the blessing and in the trials and it, for it to really all be the same to us. And so I just declare that over us, that it will all be the same to us. So I think that, um, I think it's just, I was seeing a picture in worship that I feel like goes along with what she's saying. Um, it was like that, you know, Jesus wore a crown of thorns for us. And so then in my picture in worship, um, he was giving us these flowers handing out these flowers, but what I saw was that they all became a flower crown for him to wear. And so I just see, see us like really doing the process that she's saying of, I can't tell you how much, um, just, I, I was standing there in worship today, just feeling like his pleasure over me in that I've done this process of staying in it with him, yeah. just staying in it, just stay in it. That's real. It's really all it takes is just stay in it. Like you don't have to know what to do. You don't have to do everything right. It's really just stay in it. And so like, if that means you have to cry on your pillow and for a little while, then do it, just stay in it. And, and he's so faithful that he'll keep pulling you, keep, keep giving you those little things to partner with that will really pull you into that, that next glory level. And so I think that when we really partner with what she's saying and stay in it, that we get to experience how beautiful we are. We're becoming so beautiful that we actually get to adorn him. We actually get to be a crown on his head. Like that's radical. <laughs> that's radical. That's amazing. 
And so I think that that's our why. We really have to, to really grab onto this and say this is really our why for this next season that we're going into, that we want to be a crown on his head. We want to be glorious. We want to be unveiled. We want to be like a mirror that reflects him. So Jesus, thank you so much that you are making everything really, really clear. You're making it really clear where we're at. You're making it really clear what you're asking of us um, is really just to be yielded and to really press in and stay in um, the process that you're taking us in. And so I just bless us today. We just say we want to, we want to reflect you. We want to reflect your glory. We want to be the unveiled church. We want to be the glorious sons and daughters. And so I just bless this message. I say that it's going to be implanted in us and that things will come up and we will just start having that why on our mind. When things come up, we're just going to start saying, okay, yep, this is it. This is my moment. This is my time to press in and rejoice. And um, so I just bless all the opportunities, Jesus, that you're going to give us to practice this message and to um, begin to see the fruit of being glorious, of being lovely, of being pleasurable to you, of, of actually being something that you're adorned with. And so I just bless us. I thank you, Daddy, for Sarah Lynn. I thank you for her, her message. Thank you for her heart. Thank you that she pressed in for this, for us, and that you really, um, you really laid it out for us tonight. And we're so, so excited. We just tell you we're so excited. We're so excited we get to do this process with you, this journey with you. Oh, we love you in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this message from One Life OK. For more information, please visit us at onelifeok.com.